Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, a podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, his fans, and the joy of internet connections. I am Jesse Jackson, and joining me today is Craig Green. Craig, where are we calling from? Calling from sunny South Africa, Johannesburg. Very nice. Always love when we have an international Bruce Bud. Just kind of gives you a perspective of how far the Bruce fandom goes. Craig, why don't you start out? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Craig Green, also known as Biggest Boss Fan on Twitter. Uh, I can see my followers increasing by at least one as a result of this. I've been a Springsteen fan since uh, the first second year in university or third year in university when my brother introduced me to to Bruce Springsteen. I'm very old, not necessarily as old as some people like Annie Walker, for example, but uh, certainly old. When were you in university? That way I don't, I'm slyly asking your age. <laughs> I'm 57. I was in university from 1976. So just after Born to Run and just before Darkness. I graduated high school in 77. I spent two years in college and then dropped out. So yes, I, and I went through my college years not knowing about Springsteen. I did not run into him until I started dating the lady who is now my wife, and she had a friend who was going to school in the East Coast and came back and talked about the Bruce, about the boss and Bruce and all that is. So I didn't hear about him until like 1980, 1981. I was listening to the Rolling Stones and Bob Seger, and every month I'd get my allowance, go down to the local record store, and the guy behind the counter, his name was Abdi, he had the great big uh, Afro hairstyle. And I said, hey, Abdi, what have you got that's new and exciting for me? And he'd say, here's some Bob Seger, here's some John Mellencamp, here's some uh, uh, the new Rolling Stones, some Bob Dylan. And then one day my brother said, come and listen to this. We were in his room in the place that he was staying, and he had a wonderful sound system and a record player, and he put on Bruce Springsteen. And the first Bruce Springsteen song I ever heard was uh, Badlands, and I said, that's it. That's what I've been waiting for all my life. That is how rock and roll needs to be played. There is no other way to play it. There's nothing else to listen to. Those are the words you want to hear. That is rock and roll. So I went down to Abdi and said, you have to get me every single Bruce Springsteen record ever released, and anything that sounds like Bruce Springsteen, you've got to get for me. So uh, we've got... Darkness on the Edge of Town, we've got Born to Run, we've got The Wild, The Innocent, and we've got uh, Greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey, and then we've got some Southside Johnny, and uh, that was it. I just needed anything that was Springsteen, because in the past you've been listening to music, and it's the, I, I like the words, you know, people are, are, are talk, you, know, you listen to a song and it's a boy meets girl, girl doesn't like boy, boy goes and spends his evening down at the drive-in, and there's nothing in there, there's no meat in there to, to that changes the world or changes society. And that's what Springsteen did. And the way he said it and the way he played it and that saxophone, that's uh, it, it, nothing like it. That is a great origin story. Um, I, In fact, I think if I'm giving awards, that's the best origin story I've ever heard from Springsteen fans. Well done, sir. You know, I can't even remember the closest I have. And, you know, I was a child of top 40 radio, you know, in the 70s there. And uh, I grew up in my high school years was in a little town called Lake Charles, Louisiana. And we had 
I didn't listen to any any album oriented rocks because as I told my friends, but you don't know the words. How can you sing along? And they said that's the whole point. And I went, that doesn't make any sense. So you know, I was listening to Queen and Elton John and and just you know Top Forty radio. I discovered the Beach Boys right out of out of high school and fell in love with their harmonies. So it was the music that made me say, hey. This is what music should be, right? This complex harmonies. I love the idea that Bruce and you, you became obsessed with him because he was speaking to you. And there was some meat on the bone, so to speak, there. Yeah, and you must remember that in South Africa in those years, we were still under apartheid and everything was censored. The music you listened to on the radio was music that you were allowed to hear. It wasn't music that you necessarily wanted to hear. It was music chosen by the station executives who were subject to censorship. So you couldn't hear songs that were anti-establishment, that were um, uh, anti-government, that were uh, uh, expressed any feelings about free sex, except if the government censors didn't understand it, in which case they, they tended to get through. Yeah. Uh, so you, you listened to what you were able to listen to, and there was no internet. So you couldn't go surfing for stuff that you liked. Gosh, that's an interesting point. You growing up in this system, did you just accept that the way it was? And I don't want to get into too many politics, but I, I think this drove your your desire for music, right? This this kind of culture where everything is regulated. Did you just accept that or is it something you felt, you know, looking back is when you realized what this did to you? I think it's a combination of both. I mean, you, some independent record stores were able to import uh, music directly from the UK or from the States, and those you could get in the uncensored version. I mean, around that time, the Rolling Stones released Goat's Head Soup, and the last song on the album is Star Star, and there's some words that I'm not necessarily going to repeat in a family yes. broadcast. But in, in the South African version, they took the vocal track and censored the, those words out. So in, instead of getting those words, you got star and then the drum beat. So it's star, do do star, do do star, do do star. And you, it was only when you went overseas and bought the album that you realized what they were actually singing about and what words they were using. And certain songs were not allowed to be played on the radio and the radio, there were no independent radio stations. So you had to go out looking and it was word of mouth and Yes, a lot of the songs formulated your approach uh, to to life and to politics, and vice versa. Your approach to life and to politics uh, uh, formulated your approach to music. So you know there was a big Rodriguez uh, movement in South Africa because he sang songs that were anti-establishment. They weren't allowed to be played on the radio. You could buy the record and listen to the songs. But even people as innocuous as Christa Berg, for example, you couldn't hear some of their songs because uh, their songs because they were just not deemed suitable for the public of you know, of South Africa, and they might uh, foment insurrection or something. Who knows? Craig, did it was is it more a political adjustment? I mean, I assume they're playing. Motown, and but you mentioned Bob Dylan. I don't see them playing a lot of Bob Dylan. You know, so was it more of a social kind of editing way, or was it there? Was it included a type of music, a race? 
back in those days, even the radio stations were segregated. Um, that, that seems crazy now, but you had black radio stations and white radio stations. And the white radio stations played European, English, British, American rock. And the black radio stations played black music for South Africa, which is, we've developed our own uh, type of music yeah. called Kwaito. And it's still very popular today. And even today, we notice a split in uh, the the audiences and the type of music that audiences will listen to. So uh, on my road trip from Johannesburg to Cape Town to go and see the three Springsteen shows down there, we stopped off in various towns. Uh, had uh, Connor Kirkpatrick out from Scotland to show him what sunshine looks like. And uh, we... On the way down to Cape Town, he said to various people, petrol station attendants, have you heard of Bruce Springsteen? Nobody heard of him. That's how effective uh, the censorship and the segregation had been in keeping people apart. You know, it was social engineering on a grand scale. I'm happy to say that it's gone, but the legacy is, is still there. I mean, we, we live with a segregated society. We live with segregated taste in music. You know, I grew up in the South. My dad was in the Army. We moved around a lot. I did not have as many of the culture putting on that, you know, even though I was born in Louisiana and spent a lot of time there, because as my dad said many times in the army, everyone was green and everyone was getting the same uh, poor treatment, the shaft, to keep this clean for a family uh, podcast. But yes, I mean, there were, um, I grew up as a Southern Baptist. I, I converted to Catholicism when I started dating my wife. But, you know, there was the Black Baptist Church and the White Baptist Church. And, you know, there was the Soul Station growing up and there was the White Rock and Roll Station. The whole thing about, you know, Pat Boone and, and others that would take rock and roll, the soul music uh, that was on the black station and then you know they they kind of cleaned it up and then you'd have white mayonnaise you know version and and it was what it was that then luckily my son's 26 and he is a generation that grew up on hip-hop and rap and you know he has a very diverse musical background he he loves certain country artists and then he loves certain rap artists and he will listen to Little Wayne and Brad Paisley in the same sitting and not think anything about it. Yeah, my kids grew up on Springsteen. Yeah. When they were when they were in the house, we were playing Springsteen. I admit freely there was some Mellencamp in there. Yes. And uh, some Neil Young and uh, but at a very early age, uh, they were going to whatever live bands we could get out into this country. Now remember. Uh, there are some people that came out to South Africa during the apartheid years, and uh, they shouldn't have, because the cultural boycott was was very effective. Uh, we couldn't get to see any artists. So as close as Springsteen came to South Africa was uh, Zimbabwe, and I think it was '84 during the uh, Amnesty International tour. Yeah. So so he played in in Zimbabwe, and I think he played in Tunisia. Was the other time only other time he'd been to. To Africa. So, but, you know, Craig, this latest tour, right, they did I'm Not Going to Play Sun City. And mm -hmm. um, and my friend Sam, for those of you doing the set lusting Bruce um, drinking game, take a drink. You know, Sam said, do you think that 
what percentage of the audience understands the significance of them playing I'm not going to play Sun City at, you know, in South Africa? And I said, you know, I have no idea. So I'm going to ask you, what do you think percentage-wise the people there understood that significance? If Less it than half. Yeah. Less than half. Uh, you know, the, the song itself, Ain't Gonna Play Sun City, uh, got a mention in the newspapers at the time. Yeah. Um, and a lot of ridicule by the because you know, there was no independent newspaper the, right we hadn't they, they were largely shut down or forced into bankruptcy by by the government um so people knew of the song but it got no airtime at all right and you know there, there were people artists who are greatly admired who played at sun city yeah. elton yeah. john uh, frank sinatra queen rod stewart uh Krista Berg, I can't think of any others off the top of my head. No, a, lot, a lot of people played there. Yeah, and it certainly is there. You know, it could certainly be a debate of what's going on. Well, you mentioned um, seeing him perform, and talk to me about how many times you have seen him perform. Do you have a bingo of what countries you've seen him in? Well, I've seen him in two countries. I've okay. seen him in South, Af South Africa and, and in uh, the United Kingdom. Okay. Uh, you know, it's it's we're on the southern tip of Africa. We're eight thousand miles, I think, to London. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that would be the closest city that we would get to um, to to see a Springsteen show. And uh, in twenty twelve, the Hard Rock calling tickets dropped. I logged on to the website, bought the tickets, got the tickets, and started saving up to go to to see him in London. I thought it would be fantastic. You go to a festival. You see a whole lot of people, a whole lot of artists performing, and you get to see Springsteen crowning the show. And uh, a number of things went wrong. My, my wife's car decided that uh, certain parts needed to be replaced, otherwise it was going to fall apart. Yes. So all my, all my savings started going towards repairing cars, doing this, fixing the house. All those real-life things. Yeah, those things that actually don't really matter if there's a Springsteen show to go Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Uh, the last straw was my cat, who's called uh, Ugly Betty. Uh, in South Africa, we have uh, a fairly high crime rate, and a lot of uh, the crime is attacks inside your home. So a lot of the houses have uh, barbed wire fencing and electric fencing. I've got, I'm looking at my wall now, it's six foot high with... Uh, another two feet of electric fence and some razor wire. Oh, wow. Um, so my cat jumped through the razor wire and ripped her tail open. Uh, now, that wouldn't be too bad if it was during the time that the vet was open. But this was at 10 o'clock at night and the right. vet was closed. So I had to take her to an after-hours vet, which took, just pushed it over the edge. That was it. My uh, airfare was yeah. gone. Your so Bruce fund was gone. It was depleted to just about nothing. So I sent out a, a, a poor, poor, pitiful me sad tweet saying, uh, yeah. uh, that was it. It was a nice dream. I can't go to Springsteen. I'll have to sell my ticket to anybody wanted. And somebody that I'd never met called May Kristen from, she's going to kill me if I get the country wrong, but I suspect it's Sweden. It's either Sweden or Norway. She said, but what about Bruce Funds? And then Donna from Bruce Funds got hold of me and said, 
how much do you need to get across? Let's see if we can make this work. And I think it was something like $600 that I needed. And it was raised in next to no time. She sent out a, a tweet and a Facebook and a whatever else that she sent out. And within a week, we had the funds. It was absolutely amazing that my airfare was paid for. And I subsequently found out when I tried to leave the, uh, the, the hostel that I was staying, somebody had paid my, my accommodation as well. Wow. So everything was paid. I got to London. I met up with people that I'd only uh, met up on with Twitter. Yeah. And that's where, the, that's where the pony boy handle comes from because uh, a guy called Chris Trelaw, he and I were standing with uh, Connor Kirkpatrick at Hard Rock Calling and we were trying to guess what the next song was. And my only guess was every time, was it's got to be Pony Boy now. I mean, he's only played Pony Boy three times in, <laughs> in public. It's got to be so Pony Boy. So it's due. Boy. He's due, right? <laughs> he, he has to. That on, on the, the song that I need the most on the next set list, we've got to have Pony Boy. Come on, Bruce, if you're listening. Yeah? Uh, play Pony Boy, please, Bruce. It's got to happen. Um, well, that answers one of my questions that I'm going to have about songs you want to hear and perform live, but <laughs> I'm sure you have others, but go ahead. Yeah, so I saw, so that was my first Springsteen show, and I promise you I have never been as tired as I was after that show. Uh, I've run 117 marathons, I've run 30 ultra marathons, I've run five marathons of 90 kilometers, that's 55 miles. What and I have ne a, never been as tired as I was yeah. after Hard Rock Calling. What is an ultramarathon? Anything over 26 miles. Okay. okay. Uh, my wife is currently training for her first Ironman, uh, where you do the, you know, two-mile swim, swim and yeah, and the, hunt, you know, bike ride, and then the uh, marathon. And so... Um, so you're in good shape, but you still just the energy of seeing Bruce and I'm sure the emotions. Now, this was your first show ever. That was the first one I've ever been to. All the it's basically the magic of Twitter. Yes, that has got uh, people to be able to communicate and uh, find out things. I find out from Twitter about the latest uh, live concert download. You find out from yeah. Twitter that there's a Bruce has announced a. a uh, a new set of concerts, um, and it's the internet that's that's given you that speed. So before then, you know, I didn't know that Bruce was playing in London in two thousand and nine. Right. The drummer in, drummer in my band actually went to see that show, uh, but then I did find out uh, that twenty thirteen he was playing at Wembley. Um, managed to get some tickets from Donna, who also did the she booked those. I booked some in Ireland. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, the South African Postal Service is so bad. I'm still waiting for those tickets to arrive. And the show <laughs> was in 2013. Wow! Uh, but I took my son, my middle son, across to uh, to London to Wembley to see Bruce at, at uh, Wembley, and he played the whole Darkness album. So that's one thing that I, that I wanted to see was the whole Darkness album played, mm -hmm. and it was absolutely amazing to be there. And then he announced that he was coming to South Africa. And he put on uh, two shows in Cape Town and one in Johannesburg. The two shows in Cape Town were sold out in 15 minutes, I think. Yes. So, so he put on a third show. 
and uh, I managed to get tickets to all three of those. Oh, nice. And, and a ticket to the Johannesburg show. In fact, uh, I took my son, middle son and my daughter to the shows in Cape Town. Mm-hmm. So they saw all three, and my daughter was ex- so excited because in the first show, Bruce came and held her hand. Oh, nice. In, in the second show, he came down and winked at her. In the third show, he gave her his guitar pick. Nice. So she was in tears all three times, which was fantastic. Absolutely. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then we uh, came, drove back up to Johannesburg, which is a thousand miles, and uh, went and joined the pit queue for the Johannesburg show and managed to get an extra ticket for my wife. Uh, who's a classical musician, so, and then my son and daughter-in-law. So the entire family and uh, Chris from Durban was there, and uh, also Twitter, and they all stayed at my house and so on, and we went across to see him, and Bruce came out and did a pre-show of four songs, and I got a photograph taken by a, can you hear me still? Yes, yes, I can hear you fine. Oh, good. The photograph taken by a friend of mine, Esther, from, from Germany, from the other side of the stage. And my wife's face is a sight to behold, unbelievably uh, happy. And they, because we were right in front. I mean, Bruce was two and a half feet away from her. Um, absolutely amazing. Uh, what songs did he do on the little pre-show? Uh, working on the highway. I'll work for your love. Uh, growing up, and I, I cannot for the life of me. I think I, I've one. seen the. I'm sure uh, I'll work for your love because that's one of my favorite songs. Uh, you know, I really love that song of magic, and so that I think I've seen that clip. Um, if you've seen that clip, then you've seen me. Okay. Might be a song in there about a wrestler. Okay, yeah, okay, sure. I will have to check that out. That is, I was going to ask, because you had not mentioned your lovely bride. Um, so she's a fan as well? She She's had no choice. Okay. Um, well, see, I'm in a mixed of, marriage. Uh, my wife is not a very big Bruce Springsteen fan, though since 2012, when we went and saw him in um, Ohio, and then we saw him in Kentucky. Um, she has become a fan of the live show. Um, she has, and you know, I, there are a lot of times, you know, you say seeing Bruce live will change your life. Um, she says it didn't change my life, but it changed my live concert expectations. I now have a very high standard for what's a good show and then what's just adequate. Uh, so, and you said she's a classical musician. What does she play? Plays the piano and the flute, not at the same time. You understand? I but, understand. Uh, okay. No, I she's guess a, she's a she's a piano teacher. That's what she does. Oh, for very nice. That is cool. Well, you have done better than I. Um, uh, Chris, uh, my son, has only started to get into uh, a little bit of Bruce music, and um, in the previous tours, I've asked if he wanted to go with me, and he was. I have no interest. I was like, oh, it'd be a great guy's, you know, weekend. And uh, he now has said over the past, actually fairly recent, few uh, weeks ago, he said, okay, 
next time he tours, you and me, Dad, we need to go to a show. I'm like, absolutely. So um, sounds like you, as you said, you didn't give much of a choice, right, growing up with it? Yep. The, uh, my, the middle son who went to all the shows in South Africa made a sign, which Bruce finally took at, uh, in Johannesburg with four songs that he wanted played on it, and Bruce, Bruce played all four. Wow. Uh, so, so he was very happy. And, the, you know, he listens to the songs. He listens to the words. Um, he knows them. Uh, and on his playlist, I mean, he's very into heavy metal. Right. Uh, and, and really heavy metal. But uh, sometimes when he's cooking uh, the family meal, he'll put on his, his iPhone via his Bluetooth speakers and play a Springsteen album because it has to be played. These things have to be played. Absolutely. That is interesting. So total, how many times have you seen him live? Six. Six. But That's, that, that sounds very little compared to the people who've seen him seen him a yeah. hundred times. But after I saw him the first time, I said to myself, now I can die happy. And um, I also think you should get bonus points. Um, you know, your first few shows were not like myself when I went down to downtown Dallas, which is maybe, you know, 12 miles away. That you know, to catch to see him in the first show, you went a little further than that. So I mean, one thousand miles, two yes, thousand miles, exactly. three thousand miles. <laughs> yes, uh, that is awesome. Um, so you've kind of talked a little bit already, but um, Craig, tell me about some songs or albums that may have meant a great deal to you, maybe some special memories or stories. I love that you said, you know, hearing darkness live kind of checked you off the list but and how hearing badlands kind of was a turning point in your life i mean uh the um you know like paul on the way to damascus right the shining light mm -hmm. you know so your version of the damascus road is badlands so uh tell me some more if there are well, I like the overtly political songs and okay. overtly political albums. So uh, two, maybe four albums. So you've got Darkness and Wrecking Ball. I mean, the whole Wrecking Ball album, I think, is, is particularly good. You know, I, I think, Craig, a lot of people, a lot of classic fans may feel a little and like biased or snobbery for his earlier stuff, but, uh, and, and I think every album, you could pick one or two songs that you don't enjoy as much as others, but mm. as an overall album, Wrecking Ball is really strong. Uh, I agree with you. It, it, in a lot of ways, it's some of his best material. Yeah. And I, you know, the other really political songs that uh, ghost of Tom Joad. Yes. Um, Youngstown. Yeah. I played Youngstown for my boss on my guitar, and he got quite upset. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a direct message. I wasn't trying to hide anything from yeah. him. You know, once I've made you rich enough, rich enough to forget my name. Mm -hmm. uh, and Seeds, you know, yeah. really hard-hitting songs. And yes. And women like Magic, so the politics and so on are quite funny disguised. Um, to a greater extent than our albums. I, I really enjoy 
Island of Dream, if it refers to America, um, because that was the thing together again. Yeah. When the first time I heard of the internet was quite many players, I saw many senses the reeducation of the band, this for fans, and so on. I forget exactly what he said. Yeah. One of the the singing. The evolution of that song into the arrangement that it is now is something wonderful to to watch. Yeah. Um yeah, I if I had to pick a favorite song, Land of Hope and Dreams might be the one I would pick more often than not. Um it is just such a powerful dream. And you know, and I think what's funny at least to me, is born in the USA, of course, by casual fans can be misunderstood. But in a lot of ways, American Land and Land of Hope and Dreams is the songs that people think born in the USA is. That's pretty much the last time Springsteen really heard in South Africa. Um, Tunnel of Love was released and was a flop. And then the two albums that Springsteen Rocky Town, and the other one is at my age, I can't even remember the name anymore. Sure. Uh, but those two albums inspired the band. I was so frustrated with you. There was the wrong sound. Yeah. I just got frustrated with that sound. And then he sort of disappeared off the radar in this country. And it's only when uh, the internet came, you know, started growing that you could yeah. find, find the albums. Yeah. And, you know, I, Craig, I, I, can casually remember, like I said, I, I started becoming a fan in 80 and then became obsessed with him after seeing him live in 2002. And the time before that, I was kind of a, you know, like I didn't buy Human Touch or Lucky Town. Um, you know, I just kind of moved on to other things, mostly raising, you know, my child and, you know, working a lot of, you know, hours at work and kind of working on my career. Um, but there is a beauty that we are like for the night before his birthday, right? He shows up at Jackson Brown's, uh, show. He does a couple of songs and magically all of us get to see that now. Mm. And in fact, there's almost, and I don't, I'm saying this with, you know, tongue in cheek there's almost a impatience from us fans like okay why hasn't anyone posted the video yet <laughs> you know not just grateful that we're going to get to see it at all but almost this impatience like why hasn't it been here already yeah there's an immediacy that you can watch or listen to live shows as people stream the the downside of that is you get to sometimes you get to watch Bruce Springsteen somebody else's telephone that will in front of you to video the entire thing. Yeah. Which or talk through the whole thing. That's been grassful 
like the queen of people talks for the entire show, I believe. Yeah. Um, our connection's breaking up a little bit. I'm going to hang up and redial to see if we can get a little better connection, okay? So the connection's now fine again. I think the problem's on my side. Okay, okay, well, that's good. Um, so, um, I, I want to, you kind of talked a little bit about this, but um, the Donna at Bruce Funds, I think, is just a beautiful program of, you know, Bruce fans helping Bruce fans. And I know she works really hard, but um, it, I'm sure you were just overwhelmed by this. Um, can you, you want to talk a little bit more about that or, you know, maybe in ways you've tried to continue, you know, the passing on the good fortune, you know, paying it forward? Yeah, uh, through Donna and Bruce Funds, I know people in the UK, people from the United States that I would never have met. Yeah. And from Paris, there's uh, the red-headed UK, there's any war number of people that I wouldn't have as a result. And those are people that paid for me. I've never met before. And the only thing we had in common was we were Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. So when money allows, I donate to Bruce Funds. I managed to try to help uh, a couple of people in South Africa get tickets to uh, the first uh, Springsteen show here. So I think it's the most fantastic program. Um, I do think there are some people that uh, try to take advantage of it. I think Don has uh, seen through a number of them, but I, I don't think that's any reason to not continue it. The next time Springsteen tours, and he said he's coming back to South Africa, so I'm going to hold him to it. Um, we should be helping out fans who can't get there for whatever reason and in whatever way we can. I mean, $5 here and $5 there all add up. And uh, it makes it makes a difference in your life. I don't think I would have gone to the second show in London if I hadn't been to the first show. I probably would have given up. You know, and I agree with you that, um, you know, nothing is perfect in this world, um, but there is you try and you try to make a difference. And I think there is a beauty to this Springsteen fandom. And, and I, I'm involved with, um, Dr. Who and, 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 you know, I podcast a couple other shows and big comic book fan. And, and in all fandom, there is a underside of jealousy or, you know, people, fandom especially, love to hate the latest episode of a TV show or, you know, a book. And it seems overall, though, the Bruce fandom is a little more positive and caring about each other. Yeah, I would I would say so. I, mean, you, I, I flew 8,000 miles and met total strangers. Who are now friends. So if I yeah. do go across again, I make it a, a point to, to try and meet up with them. Yeah, I, um, you know, I've told the story before, so I'll make it short. But you know, when I went to Nashville, I had connected with uh, Bruce Buds, 
And, um, you know, we met, didn't know each other and had a connection. And, mm. um, you know, and this is all via Twitter and Facebook where you you feel there's that common bond and you 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 find a friendship of someone you've you know it isn't like you know, well we we both like the same you know movie actor or someone you know I'm I'm a fan of a TV show or um you know a, a sports team there is something about Bruce and his music that you kind of well, hey, they're a Bruce fan. How bad can they be, mm. right? Um, they like the same music. They like, like the, the same, same bands. And exactly. Hey, yeah. hey uh, you mentioned uh, you had a band. Talk to me a little bit about that, Craig. What kind of music do you do? And I'm sure you do Springsteen covers, but... Uh... Well, you may be surprised to hear that the band is called Bad Scooter. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're based in Johannesburg. We play gigs whenever we can. Uh the, the music is a mix, a couple of songs that I write, a couple of, uh, probably about 30% of the set list is Springsteen. Okay. And then there's uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival, Bob Seger, Rolling Stones. Uh, I can't remember all the songs we play. Mm -hmm. Typically play about 35 to 40 songs a, a set. So I, I do uh, admire Bruce that he can sing three nights in a row with uh, that many songs because after one night of doing that my voice is gone um i i've heard that from other not only um you know part-time musicians but full-time musicians that go you know i do a 90 minute show and i'm wiped how does he do three hours you know yeah. uh it just is something magical about him uh very nice um so you've already talked about hearing Pony Boy, wanting to hear Pony Boy. What are some other wish lists that when he performs next, uh, where what do you want to hear? And is there, um, and I think there's an obvious answer to this, is there a place that if you magically, and I'm going to mix my metaphors here, if you had the TARDIS um, and you could travel to any, you know, time or place and let's specifically in a modern era you know where would you want to see him perform live well, like yeah and you know, I, I probably shot for this but i like springsteen more from born run onwards and right from the beginning. Yeah. So any of any songs we played since Born to Run, I mean, they've been fantastic songs. Loved when he played to occur. I mean, he, he yeah. played in Berlin and he started off with a song uh, when when I leave Berlin. Nobody yeah. ever heard it. Right. And uh, watching the set list and people said, song number one question mark. They yeah. Never heard it. But he, he tries to identify with the audience. So I, I like a that he does uh, yeah when he played um, last year here in Dallas we were hosting the NCA um, you know basketball tournament the final four 
and um, you know he they did a free show that was an all day concert that was free, and he closed the show, and he came out with um, the theme from the Globetrotters Suite, Georgia Brown, and then he played Van Halen's Jump. Uh, because mm-hmm. he and Niels did a jump ball, you know, because and he made a joke about this has something to do with basketball, and um, and it was amazing. And um, I, there is another podcast that I listen to called Springtime for Springsteen, and one of the guys, and I don't agree with this, but I understand his point. He says the East Street Band should just do covers; they are the best cover band ever. <laughs> um. They do have a joy. I've often said that I would be okay with a show that um, Tunnel Love and Forward. As much mm-hmm. as I love Badlands and Born to Run and, you know, Darkness, to hear just from Tunnel Love Forward to get all these different songs on a concert would be really fun for me. Yeah, there's, yeah. Uh, I've heard the live magic yeah uh, so i think that would be fantastic yes um there's a number of songs on uh Apple pete that album i was called all day to turn the album working but on a dream working on a dream yes there's a number of songs on there that people really think are weak and there's a number of songs there that are absolutely fantastic yeah and one of the advantages of having a, a breadth of a songbook that, that Springsteen has is that it's okay to like a song that I don't like. Yes. Um, that's what makes the world go around. You like uh, Wild Innocent Knee Street Shuffle? Well, I don't particularly like it. Yeah. So I'm sorry, we'll have to agree to disagree, but we both like that song and we'll have a wonderful time when he plays it. I'd, Absolutely. I'd never really liked Lost in the Flood. He right. played Lost in the Flood in Wem- at Wembley. It is an amazing song. Right. Uh, Rosie on uh, on the album, yeah, I can live with it, live without it. Yeah. Rosalie Live is epic. It's amazing. Yes. You know, I, I had that same feeling. Originally, I was like, eh, Rosalita, it's all right. And then when I saw him do it live, I it, it brought my appreciation to another level. You know, just the amount of joy in that song. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really like a lot of songs on High Hope. You know that there's a fair covers on it, but I really think it's it's a fun album. And I love the spirituality of This Is Your Sword, This Is Your Shield, because it's just, I think it it just says a lot about faith. As much as Bruce has sung about the struggles we're fighting, I think ultimately his music is about hope. Yeah. So I love that part of it. Yeah, I think a lot of these, some of these songs have ended with hope. Um, you know, if I had me a gun, I'd find the bastards and shoot them on the site. Um, but a lot of them have wonderful hope at the end of them. Yes. Uh, this depression, this depression is a song that ends in hope. Uh, the morning sun is breaking and so on. You know, there's a, a new dawn coming and there's a, there's a, 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 it comes at the end of the song. And whereas it starts out in, in deep blackness of soul and spirit and body. Yeah. I have brought up a couple of times on this show, even Nebraska, as bleak as it is, has reason to believe in it. I, I think there is 
the message of his music and that is why it means a lot to me is that even during you know better days got a new set of clothes a pretty red rose and a woman i call my friend it is something about it craig this has been absolutely fascinating i've had a blast we're gonna have to have you on again especially if maybe when we're uh he announces new tour dates we can talk what your travel plans are going to be okay if someone wants to reach you how can they it's probably best via twitter just tweet me at biggest boss fan okay and then we can take it from there Listener, if you want to be on the podcast and talk about Bruce and all that implies, please send an email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page. Please check that out. We'd also appreciate you going to iTunes or whatever your favorite podcast catcher is and rate and review us. It helps listeners find us. And we're going to thank you, Craig. I appreciate you so much, and I wish you safe travels. And we're going to end with Over the Hills and Through the Trees. We'll go riding, you and me. Giddy up, giddy up, giddy away, my pony boy. Thanks. Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.